You're listening to Fathoms, an Enneagram podcast, discovering our inner depths, one fathom at a time. Greetings, friends. Welcome back to Fathoms. That's what we call this thing, right? An Enneagram <laughs> podcast. We're excited to be back with you today. And today we are doing one of our famous, I don't know if they're famous or not, but one of our famous uh, Fathom 15s. That means we're going to talk for somewhere around 15 minutes or so, give or take. And uh, with the topic today, we do have both uh, Creek and Drew here as well, which is wonderful. I'm excited about that. Uh, Topic for today is being a person versus being a type. Huh? Mm, Versus being a dog or a goat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, Abram, what does that mean? What What are we addressing specifically? So, yeah, to unpack this idea a little bit. Um, you know, I think one of the pr- main problematic things with the Enneagram, when when uh, a lot of people are learning it as it is in our our time right now, you know, um, with it as this sort of surf- surface level typology of descriptions that, well, I'm a nine, and so I have to ex- I can get excuse my behavior, or uh, you know, you're an eight, so y- you're just gonna be that, blah blah blah, you know, um, it's this excuse or this weapon that we can use. Um, but basically, people are confusing type for who they are, and this is highly problematic. And and that's not the point of the enneagram. It's for transformation. It's for unbecoming who we think we are, but who we're not, so that we can become who we really are. I do think, Abram, it's a really important distinction you know, for the reasons you said. You know, t- so that we don't weaponize or stereotype or you know use our enneagram type as some sort of excuse for our behavior, because you know. If we're honest, it's not about behavior, right? It's about these internal motivations. It reminds me of a quote I love by Whitman, which I'm sure you've heard of. I am complex. I contain multitudes. And I think personality type doesn't get at you know, the true complexity of who we truly are. Mm-hmm. I think it's an, it's certainly an important component in understanding how you know we have coped and survived and and sometimes thrived in this world, but I don't know that any of us want to be reduced to our personality. If we're, you know, if we're being honest about it, you know, there's so much more going on beneath that surface of what people kind of see and experience of, um, you know, our, our personality and, and mm-hmm. the presentation mm-hmm. of it. And I, I just think that if we stay at that level of type, yeah, then we, we truly are stuck in a pretty superficial place. And Abram, I think you and I were talking about the other day about another way of, of viewing type is um, showing us the different ways, the different things that we're missing. The focus of attention is on a very, a very small uh, swath of reality um, where we're we're missing. I mean, for me, right? I'm always seeing mostly the uh, the dark and the sad, the the negative parts of what's in front of me instead of like. Oh wait, no. There's some there's some sunshine and butterflies around here somewhere. I'm sure. So I think that, and I mean, we often refer to our types as uh, the lenses through which we we view the world. But I mean, you don't see someone walking down the street with sunglasses and tell them that they are their sunglasses. No, there's a there's a whole human that's wearing the sunglasses. Right. Yeah. Um, and so to make that differentiation is really important. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. This, this distinction is all about really growth. 
to become more than what our type often re- represents, which is a very fixed, small-minded perception of ourselves, is to l- allow ourselves more options. So you, you've heard that phrase, if all we are is a hammer, all we'll see are nails. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of allowing for more, what's the most appropriate response for this moment? Well, we don't know that if, if we don't know our type, you know, and if we can have confused who we are as our type. Mm-hmm. So, so this is the, the distinction I think is a good way to name it is what I've heard from Russ Hudson that you have a type, you are not your type. But what makes this problematic is that the shorthand is, is still so common everywhere from I think the majority of teachers, you know, we say that I'm a four. Well, that's not true. And uh, I think these are semantics, but I do think it's important to question them or, or, or at least look at them when they become an obstacle to someone's transformation or reinforcing of their stuckness, you know, because mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. inherently in that statement, it doesn't leave space or room for somebody to uh, move and change and grow or to become something more or to become something else that they are, you know. So mm-hmm. I, I think we, this is how we tend to confuse type for a person. We say fours do this, or nines do this, or threes do that, and that that really negates a whole spectrum of of uh, potential work that someone's done or work that somebody hasn't done. A human, the person, right, is what actually, with their own unique life experience, uh, that human with their experiences is what contextualizes type. And if you forget the person, then you will easily you can easily understand that fours do this. Well, then I can't, I can't make sense of how I'm a four then because I don't do that. You have to contextualize the four archetype with your own life experience. Because again, mm. like what's going to be peaceful for me is not going to be peaceful for another nine. Or what's going to be conflictual for one person absolutely is not for me. That's not a thing that causes me you know, some level of freak out when absolutely it is for that person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the type is there, but the person is what contextualizes the type. Mm-hmm. I think that's super, super important. It is challenging because the way in which we talk about it, yeah, because we don't want to have to say every time, well, you know, my dominant type, which is simply a personality, <laughs> you know, character structure that was... <laughs> formed through my childhood conditioning doesn't fully <laughs> represent who I truly am is a dominant type three, you know? Right. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> That's not an elevator pitch. No, it's, it's certainly not. And so we do, you know, and I do this too. I'm a type three and the, the language is problematic. So I'm curious, Abram, what would you say is a better way <laughs> without doing everything I just did uh-huh. uh, facetiously, but you know, what would be a better way to, to talk about it? That's more authentic to this conversation that distinguishes between type and person. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, just in the, I, I think there's probably better shorthand we can use. It, that's at least one way to do this. You know, our friend Jerome Lubba, who I believe we have or will be soon interviewing, uh, he says, he, he talks about our efficiency within each of the types, yeah. which is a great way to look at this. But I also just think the language of, of saying, I lead with, or I am dominant in, because it opens up space for you to remember that I have I have uh, access and I have within me all the perspectives. It's just that I get stuck within one of them, and which mm-hmm. leaves me unable to access the other ones as mm-hmm. yeah. appropriately and freely the, as the moment requires. I mean, I think you could even just, I'm stuck in the four pattern. 
Yeah, yeah. Or I'm 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 uh, trapped in the forward tendencies. Yes, exactly. I limit that, myself through the point four. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I I totally agree. I think it's it's hard to see that ever catching on. <laughs> maybe maybe we, we can be that change. But but it does raise an important point, right? That if these are our if it's our set of coping strategies, right? Uh, no one wants to be defined by strategy alone, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's it, it's not a sufficient dis- understanding or description of someone. Mm. Uh, but that's essentially what we do. We reduce it to right. our chief set of coping strategies. <laughs> so, are you saying we could just say the opposite of that? Well, my what my soul is most sensitive to is harmony. <laughs> like say the essential aspect. <laughs> Oh I think I think fifty uh, percent of the people you say that to would be like, "Okay, weirdo." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And I, I think even good luck in, with that. <laughs> even in relationships, I think I've I've found myself as I've grown in knowledge of Enneagram and just personal relationships. It's it was it was easy to think that I knew someone because I knew their type, and when it, and that just becomes awfully dangerous because oh, you. Yeah. Like, oh, you're just uh, you're just sad all the time. You're just angry all the time. You're just afraid all the time, or something like that. But that that doesn't tell you how to interact with them. It just tells you that maybe it, the pattern that that yeah. they're associated with. But that's not how you build a relationship. You don't actually know someone just because they know, you know their type. You right. just know a little bit, um, maybe some propensities. But the right. specifics are not there at all. Right. Well, yeah, and then there's uh, there's so much variation, I think, is what you're getting to, right? There's so much mm-hmm. variation within the types. And mm-hmm. um, even if we talk about subtypes and instinctual stacks and the different combinations they're in, or um, I know Russ ha- has different zones, you know, within each subtype. And, and so you can fractal this out and probably to infinity, which maybe isn't practically helpful, but it does, uh, I think, cause us to pause. <laughs> it should cause us to pause and think about all, yeah, all the different, the multitude of variations, even within the type three, for instance. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I've heard the analogy used, and I've used it before, uh, who um, came up with it first. But, you know, if we look at the, the traditional color wheel of the Enneagram, which we should talk about sometime, that'd be a fun episode. Mm. If your color is blue, for instance, for your personality type, that you're, you're a blue personality type. Well, if you've ever been to your big box hardware store, look through all the different shades and variations of blue that you can purchase to paint your room, you know, there are hundreds, if not thousands, right? And so to to confuse someone's unique and I I would argue glorious and wonderful personhood with a type that is really simplistic and reductionistic is, as you said, Abram, really problematic. Yeah. And I think it's actually even why it's difficult for some people to find their type because yeah. a lot most of the descriptions I've heard are uh, most of the common descriptions are naming that average space of health you know within the within the nine levels of health health from Risa and Hudson and so it's it's almost like we're limiting people to only being able to to see themselves in that average space or to live mm-hmm. from that average space you know mm-hmm. yeah when there's when well you can get you can definitely get way worse than that but you can also man you can be so free you can be so free from the uh the patterning that you've confused for the whole of who you are you know yeah 
but I think I'm just going to start saying my fixation and my freedom is found within the nine structure. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. That sounds a bit pretentious, but I, I agree with it. A little bit. Can you please actually do that, like do that for a few days? And then that's on my next elevator. Yes. And then report back to us. Yeah. How how it goes. Okay. But Uh, I do think. uh, What if we did live Instagram stories where I'm just doing that going up to people? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But I think Mm. that that's, we laugh about this, but it is a good caution. We could easily swing the pendulum the other way and become the type versus personhood distinction police, (laughs) (laughs) which is. Not a good look either, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's most important for us to be mindful that uh, of how we talk about type and how mm-hmm. we talk about personhood and make yeah. sure that we aren't in our own kind of inner work and inner life uh, conflating the two, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as, I mean, as, as often as sometimes it's just like, I don't feel like finding the right, correct words for explaining that I identify with the four point or whatever there is still there's power in what you speak right and and you can still know what you're getting at but i think even as we as we speak like i am a four is like like abram said a very limited uh view of who you are so to continue continually identify yourself as this limited person it's going to be more difficult to, mm-hmm. to break out of it, perhaps. And it's not some sort of like magical, if you say the right things and you're going to break out of your personality pattern. It's no, it's just the more you um, open to the more possibilities, the more your brain is going to rewire, the more yeah. your brain is going to be able to accept different options and different ways of viewing the world. Well put, yeah. And I think some of this comes out of, for one, I'm sensitive to being overlooked uh, from the nine space, but you know, when somebody asks me my type, we, we're like we're talking about the enneagram, or somebody somebody knows that oh, this guy knows about about the enneagram, and then they ask you their type. I get, always get hesitant because I'm worried about the idea of the nine they have in their head, mm-hmm. and then now they're going to see me that way. I was talking with some friends recently where is <laughs> he was mentioning that I've never thought about this. Like he's he's mentioning that you know maybe it's kind of getting to the point where it's like, maybe I just choose not to share. Someone asked my type and actually, I don't think I want to share that with you. Hmm. Like that's, that's maybe a personal thing. And I don't trust you enough with that information. Um, I think that's a really interesting take as, especially as you realize like how, how, how much it's naming the wounds and the, and the trauma and the pain that is underneath it all. Like that's, that is a very vulnerable thing to share, but I think because people don't see it as that, it's just it's more just a fun little thing. Like I like dogs; it's the equivalent to that. <laughs> yeah, it would yeah. be an interesting experiment to if you if you uh, committed to say anytime you were asked what your dominant type was, if you had to carry that with like what your core fear <laughs> or desire mm, is, right. Um, and you know, so it'd be like, well, I'm a dominant type three, which means I deeply want to feel valuable and worthy. And I (laughs) question whether or not I am valuable or worthy, which leads me to try to produce and achieve so that you will think I'm valuable or worthy. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, cause that's what we're getting at. You know, that's what we're, 
that's yeah. what we're getting at when when we invoke these uh, the language around these types, right? Mm-hmm. You know, early on when the the enneagram started to travel after it was it was asked to kept be kept secret, you know, when it was traveling in the Jesuit circles, this how we're talking about it. This is how they used it. It was used primarily for um, in the in the tool of spiritual direction. So when this person, when the spiritual director knew after sitting with this person for a while, this person's ready to potentially take this on because it was a massive ordeal. And it was, it was like, I think it was like years before someone would even say, you know, this, I'm exposing myself in this way. And so I just, I wonder if there needs to be some sort of taking taking back some of this stuff for the sake of how important it is you know when when it's understood mm-hmm. as a limitation instead of potential for our freedom when someone doesn't know how to use it well i guess maybe maybe it's a like you're saying creek maybe it's a good idea that we just start using some serious boundaries with how this thing gets used and taught and, and talked about i don't know yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's good so remember kids you are not a you are, you are not your type. Yes. You have a type. Truthwork Media Studios.